I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the second preview of the season, this time with Villa playing the role of host to Frank Lampard's Everton. Unfortunately, last week didn't set the season off in particularly good fashion, but as always with Villa, we look on optimistically to turning our season's fortunes around and to run through this weekend's fixture, I'm glad to welcome Ped from Toffee TV. How are you, Ped? Not too bad, bit warm, but you know, can't, can't grumble. Yeah, exactly. You can't complain about the weather too much. I'll always find a way to complain, though. Um, obviously, this uh, we've got Everton coming up this weekend from a Villa perspective at Villa Park, the first time back at home for the new season, both coming off the back of a loss on the opening day. How did you find the opening day defeat at Chelsea? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you're playing, a, you're playing a, a Champions League team. It's always tough. And of course, Everton at the moment don't really have any Real firepower. Dominic Carvalho room with a with an injury that's going to keep him out for probably two months, and it was always going to be a struggle. But really, you know, I thought Everton were quite comfortable in the game. You know, it was a penalty that decided the game, um, and defensively we look a lot better. So it's disappointing because actually Everton have got a quite a good record against Chelsea in the last few years. So it was disappointing from that point of view. But I think it highlighted what we need. Um, where we need to strengthen in the next couple of weeks while the tran- transfer window is still open. So uh, no real surprise, but I think there was encouraging signs. Yeah, definitely. And we'll come on to the transfer window in more detail in just a short while. But I want to look at the two teams and when they've played together recently, because I was doing my research before coming on and Villa actually have a very positive record against Everton, which it seems as though Villa have a poor record against everyone. So it's nice to be on the positive (laughs) side of it uh, for once. We're actually unbeaten in six without conceding in the last three. Um, Back in 2019, Everton were actually Villa's first win of the season when we came back to the Premier League after being relegated. Um, However, Villa have failed to keep a clean sheet in our last three games. How do you see this weekend's game going? It's it's going to be a it's going to be a tough game. Of course, we know obviously uh, Villa off the back of a of a back of a defeat um, against Bournemouth, so that's that's going to have, have hurt and. It seems like Steven Gerrard is laying the law down a little bit. If you listen to the rumours, obviously the situation with with Mings and 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 the rumoured situation with Dolly Watkins. So he'll be hurting. He'll be wanting to win his first home game of the season, especially as it's Everton as well. And it, it is a tough game for us again because our away record last season was was appalling. It really was. It, it it's why we were where we were. Um, if we'd had any kind of decent away record last season, I don't think we would have been. Um, you know, in the mess we were in, so it, it's a tough game. We know it's a tough game. We again, we the striking situation is is not very good. Um, the only we've only got one fit striker, and that's Rondon, and he's he's someone that you might in, introduce to a game ideally in the last twenty minutes. 
of a of a of a Premier League game. So it's going to be tough from that point of view. Of course, the opening day of the season as well. We got a couple of injuries to starting centre backs, but we've brought in Connor Cody, and and um, I imagine Mason Hallgate will go in there. So there is a little bit of rejigging to be done in the team. Um, but as you mentioned, our record's not great. I think the last time we beat Villa was the season you went down. We we won a Villa Park three one. So uh, you know it. It's 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 a it's always a difficult game. This is obviously the most played fixture in English football, so there's been a lot of ups and downs with two very similar sized football clubs, and with there's it's there's always a there's always that that kind of rivalry. I think where where you know it's going to be a tough game, but there's like a bit of a mutual respect as well. So I, I think it'll this will be a very very difficult game for Everton, but. Um, you know, it could be could be one of those kind of games that's decided by a set piece. I mean, yeah, I think pretty much every team beat us the year we went down. I remember you putting four past <laughs> us at Goodison as well. So, yeah, not fond memories. But I, I think you summed it up perfectly. You know, there is a mutual respect between two the both clubs. I've always looked at Everton as almost like a similar club to Villa in terms of stature, in terms of how we pride ourselves. Um you know, I've always I've always looked on fondly at Everton with that, especially your legacy in the Premier League and how mm. you are one of the clubs to have never gone down, especially how close you came last season as well, which we will talk about. But I want to go a bit closer into Frank Lampard. Obviously, he replaced Benitez and I don't think you could bring in anyone more unpopular than Benitez at that time. <laughs> um, you narrowly avoided relegation and... You know, that's brilliant for his CV, brilliant for Everton as a club. How do you find him as a manager personally? Um, I think, you know, again, if you're looking for similarities between the clubs, we've both got managers who are, you know, former top England midfielders and both of them are very modern, very savvy, you know, can speak to the media well. Uh, are, are, are Both oddly portrayed in the media as well of, of everyone seems to look at them like they should be the finished article as managers. They are both young managers who are trying to carve out a career for themselves. And I think for Frank Lampard, he came into Everton in a very, very difficult situation where obviously we had, we'd won something like one game in something like 13. And it was a, it was a desperate, desperate situation. The fans had obviously completely um, turned on, Rafa Benitez, and it was a tough couple of months at the beginning for Frank Lampard. But once he, once he got hold of the situation and realised what it was going to take to get Everton out of the situation, things started to gain momentum. He he got a great rapport with the fans, um, and he backed what the fans wanted to do to obviously get the atmospheres going at Goodison Park and the bus welcomes, and he 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 welcomed all, all that, and he was he was a big partner. So the fans really like him and. Um, this summer it started quite slowly, and obviously the sale of Richarlison wasn't um, wasn't ideal, but it had to be done because of FFP. And we've we've started to bring in more players that we want to bring in him and him and Kevin Felwell. And it, this is going to take a while. This is going to take a while. This is not a this is not a an instant impact. And I think to be honest, at times I think that's that can be for the better because sometimes a manager can come in and I know. Stephen Gerrard got that got that immediate bump when he when he when he joined Aston Villa of everything was going well at first and then suddenly you have a few games where you don't win and then suddenly people look down at you. I think things have built slowly for Frank Lampard and he understands the issues 
We understand the issues as fans, and he doesn't shy away from them. And I think that's a much better approach than getting seemingly getting everything right from the off and then suddenly finding that it's not all great and you don't have all the answers. So it's going to take time. I don't think anyone's under any other illusions. It's going to take time for, for, for Everton if they want to get back into contention for those European places. It will be a thing that takes a couple of seasons. Um, we're under no illusion. I think he's patient. And I think as long as we see that we're going in the right direction. I think it'll keep the fans reasonably happy. So I think I think at the moment we're we're, we're quite content to in 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 the situation we're in. What's his ceiling with Everton? Would you say? Well, going back to what you just said there about Aston Villa, um, in the question, we are both old traditional clubs that have found it really difficult to to transition into the new modern era, and it's going to be very very difficult for both of our clubs to do that. And I think both of the clubs have decided at various points to just throw money at the situation. And it hasn't worked for either of our football clubs, let's be honest. And I think we both need to get away from that. But I think we have to retain our own values as well. You know, I've noticed, you know, Villa, you're going to expand Villa Park, which is one of the great traditional football clubs, uh, stadium, sorry, to go with the club. We're obviously getting a new stadium. And I think there has to be a period of adjustment where we... We, we we try and transition into the modern era of football. And that's going to be really, really difficult for, for both of our football clubs because we have good fan bases, good local fan bases that expect a certain level. But unfortunately, that level is, it's just not there for us at the moment. It's been taken away by clubs, obviously, like Manchester City and, and obviously Chelsea. And they filled the void that we once held. And, we're all going to have to be patient. And I, I really don't know what the level is anymore because the Champions League clubs, the money they have is just ridiculous. They will never fall into the trap that our clubs will fall into is having to navigate that FFP tightrope. And I think for the time being, we're just going to have to be happy chasing the seventh place and hoping that that is a European place. Um, and that's where we are at the moment. And And I think... I think um, we're going to have to be happy with that and take our enjoyment from going to the game and, and seeing good performances and enjoying watching the football team without having the the baggage of thinking we we must win something because even that's becoming really tough now. It's often thrown, and I'm sure this is thrown at, at Villa as well, as, oh, it'd be great if we could win the, the Carabao Cup. And it's like... No one wins the Carabao Cup apart from teams in the top four. It's it's not a thing that gets done anymore. I think Swansea were the last team to to win the Carabao Cup, who and that was I think two thousand and fourteen. You know, it's it, that's regularly now a top four side. So it's becoming so much more difficult for for clubs like Everton and Villa to 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 achieve what we expect as fans of what we used to do. You know, um, so uh, yeah, Europe. I think European football for the time being. Has to be the not the expectation, but the but the dream, and that's really sad saying that. But that is a, I think, just for the moment, that is just where our clubs are. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I personally look at West Ham in massive fondness and the journey that they've been on in the last few years with David Moyes. Obviously, they were with us not that long ago, battling down the bottom. I think we were in a relegation battle together, and we actually ended up both surviving and. To see the stark contrast in which they have kicked on and absolutely maximised their potential, whereas 
it feels like Villa have almost stagnated slightly, obviously changing managers in that period and having a high expenditure rate and how we perhaps haven't been as successful. You look at almost clubs like that and go, well, why can't we be like that? Why can't, why can't that happen to us? I think the last time, you know, I've never seen personally Villa win a trophy unless you count a preseason trophy where John Terry lifted it <laughs> quite a while ago. Um, so yeah, for me, like just, just seeing us lift a bit of silverware is the dream. Like I remember watching on at Wigan lifting the FA Cup not that long ago and Hull being 2-0 up in the final against Arsenal and unfortunately throwing away. I remember we were in the FA Cup final against Arsenal. I was thinking about it all week, got my hopes up yeah. and then we got battered 4-0. So, you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? That is ultimately the dream as a football fan in general for teams that yeah. perhaps aren't challenging for silverware every year. Um, let's move slightly into your incomings, this uh, transfer window so far. Obviously, the transfer window is still open and there's room for you to still expand your squad. Obviously, in the last few days, you've done so with Amadou Anana. So you brought in Tarkovsky on a free transfer and Dwight McNeil from Burnley as well, who both played against Chelsea. How do you think of them as signings and how they can improve? And how did you think they played against Chelsea on their debuts? Um Talkowski is a, I think, is an absolutely fantastic signing. I really do. I think for the free transfer, 29, got lots of experience, is a leader, something Everton were massively lacking. I think he's a fantastic signing. I think it's something we've been missing for a long time. We, we've had, um, obviously, Yerry Mean at the club, and I don't know really know how people, other fans of other clubs look at Yerry Mina. I don't know if they even have to notice Yerry Mina. Yerry Mina is a fantastic centre-back, but he gets injured all the time. And and when he gets injured, he's out for very long periods. I mean, he, he honestly is a fantastic player. And I'm sure we've all had these players that you look at them and, and you just think, what a player. But there's a reason why they play for your football club. And he plays for our football, because, football club because he's so, he gets injured so often. He got injured on the first game of the season. And James Tarkowski, I think the amount of games he played for Burnley, that is exactly what we need, a leader at the back who, who who elevates the players around them and commands the players around them. And I thought on on um, Saturday, immediately, we looked so much stronger on set pieces, which was, you know, last season we were given set pieces away for free. Um, I think Villa scored their first goal last season, an own goal off uh, Luca Dean, funny enough. And we immediately looked, looked stronger. We were we give away the most uh, goals last season. I think it was twelve from from mistakes from our back line. I think you'll see that massively be cut down. And I think he's just a leader. He's a he's a captain and everything but name. So for me, he's a great signing. Um, Dwight McNeil's a different one because he's he's still quite young. He's he's got a great left foot, but I don't know what else he's really got. I don't think he's blessed with massive amounts of pace. He played a preseason game the week after and actually scored twice in it. And, you know, it, it, it turned a lot of doubters into people who were like, oh, well, maybe he is a, he's got something. I'm, I'm still not 100% convinced. I think he's an extra body in the squad. He's not a replacement for Richarlison by any way. He's another player. He's another, he, he adds a little bit of squad depth. Uh, you know, he can add to things like set pieces and things like that. But, that's going to take a little bit of time, I think, to see how he evolves. He's, we need goals. We we don't score enough goals or create enough goals. And and I'm not sure 
right now he's the player to do that. But as a squad player, I think he's all right. And obviously people will look at the price tag and, and, and you know, should that. I don't think it's that bad. I think we've put like a down payment of maybe four or five million pounds. And that's where we are at the moment in terms of FFP. So is he exactly what we need? No, but he is a good squad player. And I think just to build that squad out a little bit, uh, it could become a, a helpful acquisition. And then obviously Connor Cody joining on loan from Wolves. That's one that raised my eyebrows at the time. I hadn't heard much about it. And I always thought of Connor Cody as Wolves rock at the back, their captain. So to see that really, really shocked me. Um, could he be in line to make his debut this weekend? Obviously, you've also got Amadou Anana, who we'll talk about in more detail, who I'm not sure whether he's joined slightly too late to make his debut or maybe feature from the bench. But what are your thoughts on those two as well? Connor Cody's a superb sign, again, like you mentioned there. There was rumblings of, of it last week, um, and it would have really helped bringing him in on loans to sell maybe Michael Keane. But obviously, first day of the season, 11 minutes in, and Ben Godfrey breaks his leg, and you, <laughs> you're just thinking, oh, my God, you be- we better get on the phone to Connor Cody's agent right now. And then Yeri Mina gets injured um, in the second half, and so Connor Cody will absolutely make his debut. And everything I've just said about James Tarkowski applies to Connor Cody. He's, he's a leader. He's played in the Premier League for the last three or four years. Uh, he's quite a local lad, even though, you know, he he, he is he is a red. But, you know, he's, he's both come in and he's spoken so fondly of his, um, of of the reasons why he wanted to sign. And, and he looks a very infectious character. And I can't, quite understand why Wolves would allow him to go out but it's obviously comes it's obviously comes from a, a place of loyalty with the World Cup coming and him wanting to keep his his place in the England squad and I think we are very very fortunate to have him right now because of obviously those injuries so he'll come straight into the team on on Saturday I've got no doubt about it at all and Onana is well he's he's one of those players that often gets talked about certainly by us on the channel um as the player you should be looking at, the twenty-year-old player who's, who's who's tearing it up in in France or or you know in other countries like Belgium or Austria or or whatever, but you, they never they always seem to go somewhere else. Well, this time we've managed to get hold of him. You know, he was nailed on to go to West Ham, and then we've we've come into into the negotiations, and apparently he only he only wanted to play for Frank Lampard, or you know, and he he is a fantastic acquisition and. I imagine he'll probably be on the bench unless we change the shape slightly and we we add another midfielder. We had um, in our first game we had the uh, the Corey as a centre midfielder alongside the Wobie, and I thought that was going to be very very light. But to be fair, they both did well. Um, so it, it he'd have to change the shape. He's not going to replace one of those two, but he might he might decide to give him a little bit more of a bedding in time. This is not a player who's played a lot of games for 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 Lille in France. So we might give him a little bit of a bedding in time, get used to the Premier League. Um, but he's certainly an exciting, an exciting few, you know, future player, you know, it's five year contract. And, uh, but this one might've come just a little bit too early for him. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I was looking at um, the Belgian manager, Benny uh, Martinez, obviously, used to manage you guys as well. And he was saying about how he's one of the top prospects in Belgium. Um, So, you know, it looks really promising. And from those lists that I've read out to you, obviously you've got Tarkowski and Cody, who are natural born leaders, who is someone you need to be able to stabilize your club. And then 
McNeil as well. Like Tarkowski and McNeil were heavily linked to Villa as well. So yeah. You know, it's players that we're, we're, we know about and we should be able to yeah. deal with. Um, then let's go on to our outgoings. Obviously, the main one, Richarlison. How do you plan for life without Richarlison in the Premier League? It's really difficult because Richarlison is, is what, you know, for Evan was such a, such a unique player. You know, he, he scored goals, he made goals and he worked really hard. And, and, you know, he's not, he's one of those players that when he plays for you, you absolutely love him. But when he plays for somebody else, you don't like him. And I, I appreciate that um, from the outside. And there's a lot of question marks of why would you go to Spurs? Why would he go to Spurs? But he backs himself and he's always backed himself. He's got a little bit of a, uh, an attitude, but the attitude wasn't bad for us. It was just a attitude that he had on the pitch that he wanted to, to win every game and made, made sure he did everything he could to, 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 to win games, and to be fair, he, he he kept us up. His goals kept us up. He actually, he actually put on social media after a game. Um, it might have actually been the game against Wolves where we got beat. They actually put, you know, if you stick with us as fans, I will get you through this. And he he was true to his word. His goals kept us up. You know, I know the goal that eventually sort of won the game against the Palace was from Dominic Carvalhoon, but his goals in that period were just so massive for us that. It is difficult to replace him, you know, but he's gone to Spurs for 60 million. That's why they want him. They wanted that player who never say die. It's why he starts for Brazil all the time. You know, he'll start in the World Cup as their number nine because it's infectious, his work rate and his hunger and his desire to win games. And that's really hard to replace. And I'm not sure Everton can replace that in one player. I think that has to be replaced in in the aggregate almost of different players. I'm not always sure that works though. That's the hard part of you have to have, you can't, you need to bring in players who all have that work rate um, who can change a game. Like I was saying about the Chelsea game on Saturday, we played Chelsea in April. And it was his goal that won the game. It, you know, the, he forced a mistake and then scored the winning goal. It's that, it's that little thing that we just don't have at the moment in the side. And it's how you replace that. And we haven't replaced it. That's why the next three weeks are huge for us in the transfer window. We haven't replaced it. And even with Dominic Arvaloon, if there's a fit Dominic Arvaloon, we still wouldn't replace it because even though Dominic Arvaloon scores goals, he doesn't give you that player who will track back, who will work hard all over the pitch, but is but uh, still an attacking player. So that hasn't been dealt with yet. And, and, and that's going to be the major thing, I think, Frank Lampard and the director of football, Kevin Felwell, are going to be judged on at the end of the transfer windows. Have you replaced Richarlison? And if the answer is no, then we're going to have issues. Regardless of who we signed, we're going to have issues. So that's that's going to be the big thing for the next three weeks. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's really interesting that you mentioned replacing an outgoing player with perhaps two or three because, you know, Villa fans will know more than most that obviously with Jack going last year, we replaced him with Emmy Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings. Danny Ings, who failed to match the heights that he did at Southampton. Buendia, who now under Gerrard can't seem to get on the starting eleven, And then Bailey, who spent most of last season injured. So, yeah, it it can be a cesspit for football clubs, can't it? When you're replacing arguably yeah. your best player and you need to do it in a way that doesn't break the bank, but also an astute way to cover all the areas that you lost out from on him. So obviously, like yeah, you said, you're yeah, it's really difficult. Like you said, you're still expecting a few more in. Are there any specific names that have been linked? How how many players would you be expected to to see come through the door between now and the end of the transfer window for Everton? Well, the, yeah, the, I think there's a possibility of a no, maybe three. Um, we've been very close to a Jissagana gay in the last 10 days. And obviously that's a player who's played for both of our clubs already. You know, he's got he's got an issue with PSG in terms of a basically a golden handshake he wants off them, which, you know, if he's, if he's, if he's um, you know, if that's in his contract, then fair play to him. So that one has been been held up for about ten days. Uh, we we may be moving our sights away from him if if that's going to drag on to maybe Mo Kamara, another midfielder. So we're definitely looking in the midfield area of someone who can get around the pitch, um, and a striker. There's been lots of strikers in the last two or three days that have been linked. Um, a couple in a couple in France have been linked. Um, you know, there's been there's been Che Adams has been linked as well. It's more of a profile, I think. I think it's more of a a player who can probably play in a, across the front three positions, which is similar, obviously, to what Richarlison did. So there's a we 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 are looking for someone who could probably play as a central striker right now, and when Dominic Carvalho comes back, could play either in a three with him. Or just off them, or or in one of the three positions, and so that's that that'll be where we're looking right now. And as I said, that's somewhere that's not something that could happen. That has to happen. That has to happen because if if Everton don't bring in goals into this squad, I don't care who else they bring in. We are going to struggle. Goals win games. Doesn't matter. They win points. It doesn't matter about anything else. You have to have players who can score goals, um, and we're not blessed with that at the moment. So, so I can so, so there'll likely be a midfielder. Um, a and a and a a forward, and that might turn into two forwards depending on the type we bring in. We've been we've been linked with Brozier from Chelsea all summer as well in terms of a loan deal, and again that might be um, reliance on Chelsea getting another striker. And you know they've been linked with um, Abamyang, and you know but when you're seeing players leave Chelsea rather than come in, it makes you worry because that is. That has been one that has been dragging on all summer, and it's we knew it was going to be one that would be late in the market if it was going to happen. Chelsea, it was all going to be dependent on Chelsea bringing in strikers. If they bring in a Bamiang, then that's one. Um, he, he actually came on against us on on Saturday to you know, and a lot of people suddenly thought, oh, this isn't going to happen. But that is one of those ones that it it could happen still. But it'd be very dependent on Chelsea bringing extra bodies in. So I know Frank Lampard really likes him and really wants to bring him in the cl- into the club. And it has always been one that we knew would be very late in the window, 
because Chelsea would have to get their business done. So we'll have to wait and see. But Everton have to get a clear idea on that. I don't think we can hang around for him and then be told, no, he's not coming. Because as I said, it's it's that role playing, you know, Dominic Carvalho's going to be out till October. There's a lot of games we've seen now in October. If we haven't got a goal scorer, if we're not scoring goals, that's a lot of points that we're going to be missing out on. And, you know, we don't want another season like last season. Is there a preferred name? If you were manager of Everton Football Club or director of football and you could bring in one forward who matches the bill that you've just described, is there one player in your head that you'd go for? Um, not really, no. I'm I'm not I'm not a massive um scout or student of the game. I, I do concentrate quite exclusively on my football club. I'm not uh, I'm not someone who, who you know I, I have people who do that for me, funny enough, uh, who tell me, they tell me a name and I go, oh, that sounds a good play. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not someone who sits on Championship Manager or FIFA uh, finding out who the next two, next targets are. But Brozier, I do like the look of him. I think he's very, he is still quite young and he is still quite raw. And obviously, if he's sent out to us, then that would be um, why he would be sent out to us. Um, then Belly at, at, uh, at, at Leon. Is someone I, I I like the look of, you know, for maybe in the short term, maybe for a year. Um, the, there's a couple in France. I think um, uh, Terrier is 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 a is a, a name that I've been alerted to, and I've gone and watched all the YouTube videos on him. Um, but he he might as be you out of our. Oh, as you do. I mean, listen, players look absolutely amazing on YouTube, don't they? Um, but he might be someone who's just slightly outside of our price bracket because I know a lot of people have asked the question, like, Everton have had issues with money and and it's all down to FFP, really. It's down to, the, obviously, the pitfalls, as I said before, that a lot of clubs like Everton and Villa are falling into because we're desperate to stay with the pack and it's becoming more and more difficult. But Everton have been able to put smaller down payments for the players and you've you've got to be able to strike the deals and they take longer. You've got to be able to say to a club... You know, we'll give you five million this year and ten million next year and fifteen million the year after. But it's if there's a if there's a queue of clubs and a, cl- a, a other club turns up and says we'll give you what you want right now, then you're obviously they're obviously going to take that. So, um, yeah, there's there's a couple for you there. It's it they're not going to be. I can't imagine. You know, we're not going to be looking for someone in the Premier League at this stage unless it is someone like Brozier, who's an up-and-coming uh, young player who, who gives us that little bit of depth and someone who's got the ability to play in a couple of positions. It's really interesting that you said your knowledge of football, apart from Everton, isn't as broad, so I'm going to put you to the test here. Um, obviously, <laughs> you're playing Villa this weekend, so we'll move over to my club slightly. What are your thoughts on Aston Villa from a neutral fan at the moment? Um, yeah, I think you're trying to do things, as I mentioned, I think you're trying to do things like, like Everton have tried to do in the past, which is, you know, bring in obviously very talented players, but at times, dare I say, look past their age and what their value is. Um, you know, it, it, it can be difficult. Of course, it's difficult. You're trying to bring in talent and you, you're trying to bring it in quickly. You know, you obviously... You you brought bought Luca Dean off us, and that's an interesting one because we replaced him with a twenty two year old. Now the twenty two year old is not as good Michalenko as Luca Dean is, but we'll get more years out of him, and he might become 
he might become a player of equal stature. I'm not sure he will, by the way, but he might be. And that's that's what I mean. It's it's you clubs like Aston Villa and Everton in the certainly in the past, you you're trying to catch up with everyone. So you want players who are proven players right now. You know, you went and got Coutinho and how long is that going to be for? How, but you've, but at the same time, you you have to buy players like that because you're trying to get away from that area down the bottom. And you mentioned West Ham before, and it's it doesn't actually take that long, I think, to turn a club away from being someone who's close to being relegation to someone who's close to being, you know, seven to be those European places. So I think you have to get the right mix. It's 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 getting the balance, and that'll be difficult. Be uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see because Steven Gerrard's coming as the manager. You know, we came in, you know, we came in, um, what was it, December, January time. So immediately he wants players in the door. You know, he will have been promised money. He wants better players all the time. And if that, how long can that be satisfied for? Or how long does he continue to bring players in who may be towards their late 20s? That's the balance you have to find. And I do think, don't get me wrong, you have brought in some really talented players this summer, but you've also brought in players who are 29, 28, 29 on large contracts. And it's it's getting that balance right. And I don't think that can go on forever, but it, you have to do that. You know, we, we've brought in Conor Cody, who's 29, and and, and Tarkovsky, who's on that, uh, who's 29. So you have to get the balance right. And that'll be the interesting thing over the next the next year or so for Aston Villa, how do they turn some of those maybe older players into into younger up and coming players? And I know you lost one of your centre backs to Chelsea, and that that'll be a blow. Um, so it'll be interesting, but at the same time, I do think you will be in the pack. You will be in the pack. There's a pack now of like fourteen clubs. Let's be honest, isn't it? You know, some of them are uh, slightly in better better way than other clubs, but we, but that pack of fourteen players is we're all chasing that those six now and it's it, it, it's how you do it and it's it is it is very interesting watching some clubs fall into the same pitfalls that we've obviously fallen to in the past other clubs trying to do it differently obviously clubs like Brighton who they were doing amazingly well but then will Brighton finish ahead of Villa this season see that's and ultimately that's all fans care about isn't it where do you finish how far do you get in a, in a cup competition should we care if we pay a 31 year old a hundred thousand pound a week. Ultimately, no, we shouldn't. But we are being pushed towards that because of the limitations of of the financial situation with FFP now. So it's becoming, it's becoming. Um, we're getting more and more knowledgeable, aren't we, of all these, of uh, of FFP and all these other things that are stopping our football clubs going forward. In an ideal world, we'd all love it if our football club just went. You know what? We've got loads of money. And we're just going to spend it and forget about all those rules. But I often remind myself if we could spend all that money, well, then Manchester City could spend all the money in the world. Newcastle going forward could spend all the money in the world. Chelsea could spend all the money in the world. And we'd still be playing catch-up. So um, it's going to be very interesting this this, this year watching Villain, how they, how they you know, progress. Um, and I think, I, listen, I think you've got a chance of seventh place. Definitely. It, 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 you know, because you've got good players, it's just how it's just how you turn that squad around. I think in the next year or so to bring in more younger talent and and get rid of maybe some of the some of the established older players who have the club. I'm really really glad you mentioned that balance because for me, I've always tried to 
understand that although it's really good to bring in these 22, 23 year olds who are really promising and could go on to have a great career, but Steven Gerrard has banged on since he's been at the club about needing results now and needing improvements on the pitch now. And to get that, you're going to have to get the players like Coutinho, although he hasn't probably shown the standards that he should be showing in a Villa shirt yet. I I know a lot of people, a lot of Villa fans, if you ask them, they probably wouldn't have him in their starting 11 for this weekend. Um, So it's really difficult to find the balance between who can do it on the pitch now and who's probably past their best performances because you know if we're going to go and get Philippe Coutinho and expect him to put in performances of now then you know Barcelona wouldn't be letting him go let's not let's not kid ourselves here we're only Aston Villa compared to compared to the rest um it's also really interesting that you said that there's a possibility of us finishing seventh because Oh, I mean, you probably know it as well as I do after last season, the meltdown that we had after after losing to Bournemouth at the weekend. That was probably, I've I've been a massive one and I've always banged out about starting the season in the right way. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I remember the last two years, we the last two times we won our opening game on the season, we finished 11th in the Premier League, which was our highest for God knows how many years. And then we got promoted on the other one. So for me, winning that opening game of the season is completely vital. But if you don't, it can still be turned around. So look, I mean, there's 37 games to play. So I'm not going to sit here and go, yeah, our season's doomed or, you know, we're predicted this or that. There is still a hell of a long way to go, as as you will know better than anyone as a football fan. Um, let's move slightly towards this weekend as we look to wrap up this episode. Um, what do you expect from this game in particular and potentially a score prediction at the end of it? Um, I think it's. I think it'll be a tight affair. I think obviously Villa will have a majority of the ball. Um, I think we are more set up to play on the counter attack. Uh, we've been playing three at the back and with the with the with the wing backs. Uh, at the weekend, we started with Dwight McNeil. We started with a Woby. We started with Anthony Gordon, and we started with Damari Gray. So we were relying on our back line and then playing playing a counter-attack in football, obviously to Corey in midfield as well. So I think it'll be quite similar to that. And I think we will we will try um, you know, with the set pieces as well. That'll be, you know, with, with Connor Cody and Karkowski in there, you know, off the set pieces. I think I think we will try and keep it as tight as we can. Because I think we have to build on the defense this season. As I mentioned, there's not a lot of goals in this team. So I think we have to build on the defense and maybe try and nick something off a off a set piece and then try and open the game up a little bit. But I do expect Villa to have a lot of possession. Um, and it's how we deal with that. It's how we handle, you know, not having the ball. It's something we've been used to, to be honest, under Frank Lampard. We don't have a lot of the ball. It's about staying compact. It's about going into a shape of having five at the back on the opposition and putting in crosses and, and dealing with that. It's just whether you switch off for those moments. I think last week the goal came from... You know, it was eight minutes at the end of the first half, and for that last minute of it, the last minute of the eighth of injury time, we switched off and they win a penalty. And it's it's that was obviously against Chelsea, but it, it'll be a close game, I think. It's just for me, it's all about that first goal. Certainly in these fixtures, a lot of the fixtures in the Premier League are about that first goal. And obviously, if Villa get the first goal, then we have to come out and play. That opens it up for, for, you, for you boys to exploit that space a little bit more. So, um, first goal is going to be huge. Hope we get it, but that'll still be no guarantee. And I think 
I think for the next few weeks, all the games in the Premier League are going to just be an extension of, of the pre-season because it is such an early start because we are all trying to come round to new tactics of our managers or new players and all bedding people in. So it is an extension of 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 the of the uh, pre-season and there will be some strange results I imagine but yeah this is going to be a close game I think and and as I said it'll be for me that first goal will decide which way it's going to go. If I could push you for a score prediction. Oh 2-2. I've just said it's a close game 2-2. Go on. 2-2. <laughs> yeah, I mean myself I'm I'm struggling towards, you know, a draw or a, a slight villa win, you know. I try to stay as positive as I can but mm. You know, Villa are looking really weak at set pieces at the moment. I mean, it took us, what, 84 seconds to concede our first of the season against Bournemouth. And we are quite a small team. And how you've said about Mm. Cody and Tarkowski does worry me because we don't have much height in our team, especially if Mings is still an absentee and on the bench because we we looked as though we were lacking against Bournemouth. Every second ball we lost, every header in the air we lost. So... That will certainly be an area in which, if you capitalise, it could give you huge momentum in the game. Um, we'll have to switch on for them in terms of defending them, or else, you know, I could see us conceding another this weekend. So, for me, I'm leaning towards either a nil-nil or a one-all. I don't know whether we can win. If we win, I think it would be huge, and I think it would be enough to set our season in the right direction then and maybe calm yeah. some of the people down that are sitting there and going well ooh, we've just lost to Bournemouth you know what else is in store for us this season are we in trouble you know to get that first result <laughs> on the board you'll know as well as I do the first result is always the most because it just takes the pressure yeah. off then and you can start playing yeah, your football how you off, want yeah. to so yeah, yeah. Listen, last season let me just tell you last season we we were unbeaten in August and then went to you boys and then you smashed this 3-0. And then I think we won something like one more game till till December. So even having a good start at this point, there's no guarantee that you're going to have a good season. So And it's the same with having a bad start. There's no guarantee that it's going to be a bad, you know, it's going to be a bad season. So, uh, you know, so, you know, it is early days. Oh, 100%. 100, you know, you couldn't get any more early days if you tried. But yeah, no, I completely agree. Now, just before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day in the sun, uh, here on the Hulkcast, I like to do something a bit different with our previews. So every week I ask one of our listeners or one of our guests, sorry, a non-football related question. And then they give one football related question to move on to next week. So obviously we had a Bournemouth fan on last weekend and his question to you is, what is your favourite film and why? Oh, that is a really difficult question. I am a massive film connoisseur. Um, I love my films. Um, oh, that, is a, that is a really difficult question. But I'm a, I'm a massive lover of like Marvel films and things like that. I'm huge, huge, huge lover of them. Um, so that is a really loaded question. Um, but if I'm if I'm going to say one right off the top of my head, it, I'll go with Back to the Future because I'm a massive '80s nerd as well, and 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 I I was around in the '80s as well. So yeah, I'll go with Back to the Future as as one, but as one of many. Great answer, and one I think many people will relate to you there. So if I could get you to ask a question, a non-football related question, mm-hmm. to our guest next week, and if it makes a difference, it will be a Crystal Palace fan. Okay. Um. What is your favourite McDonald's dip? Oh, stunning. It's a great question. Perfect. And I think that's a really good way to round it off. So thank you for joining me. No problem. 
Well, obviously, due to the last week, from a Villa fan's perspective, it has felt like a whirlwind, but it's nice to be looking towards the future at hopefully a positive result this weekend. As always, this wouldn't have been possible without the contribution of Ped from Toffee TV, so feel free to go out and check out their channel. Make sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at 7500 to halt, while my account is at SebastianBacon8. Unfortunately, I won't be attending the game this weekend as I am indeed at a festival instead, but hopefully we can bring the three points as my mind will be on the game. Everyone that is going, make sure to get behind the boys, support the team, and hopefully you'll be walking away with all three points in the bag. Thank you for watching Up The Villa. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.